Welcome to Opera Out of the Box, unpacking opera piece by piece. I'm your host, Brad Cresswell, and my guests today are James Norman, Kevin Bilsma, and Joshua Borfs. Welcome, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Totally glad that you're here uh, joining us today, Joshua. Uh, by phone, I should mention, Jim and Kevin are here in the studio. Let's begin with... Uh, well, first identify yourselves and what you do for people who don't necessarily know all the workings that, that go on behind the scenes at the opera. You guys are co-artistic directors, Jim correct. and Kevin, right? That is correct. And I'm also in charge of the Resident Artist Program, which feeds into the Opera on Wheels program. Okay. Well, the reason that you mentioned that is today's topic is education. And we're going to uh, take a deep dive into all the different offerings that Toledo Opera has, kind of picking up the slack there for music education. Now, the three of us, or the four of us, actually, Joshua, I, I, maybe you can explain who you are, just so we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am uh, the writer of many of the shows that the Opera on Wheels program produces. So I take existing music from the... Uh, kind of public domain and from the operatic canon and adapt it for uh, for educational audiences. And I'm actually based in Richmond, Virginia, uh, the resident scholar of Virginia Opera, and love collaborating year after year with uh, with Toledo. Which is why you're on the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Multiple hats. Well, let's begin with you, Joshua. Tell us the story of how the the state of education, music education, and performing arts in particular, how it was back in the day when you were a youngster. What was your experience? Yeah, so I was fortunate to have a number of really great uh, music educators in my early uh early educational experiences. Went to public schools actually in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm a native Ohioan. And every year, it wasn't opera, but different theater groups would always kind of come in and we would go into the cafeteria, the cafeteria, auditorium, hybrid. And I was always just so taken uh, by whatever it was that was offered, whether it was a puppet show, whether it was theater, whether it was dance, didn't matter to me. Seeing this live experience in the middle of your normal kind of suburban uh, elementary school was one of my highlights of the year. This then translated into my parents and grandfather taking me to different cultural events, uh, but they were really responding to what I had experienced in school based on getting this information, getting this music, getting these experiences uh, at Freedom Elementary in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Excellent. Uh, who wants to go next, Jim or sure, Kevin? Jim, you want to tell us about your experience? Well, it was a long time ago, so I'm digging deep on the memory here, but uh, I remember... Just Ottawa, do what I do and, and make it all up. There you go. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> Ottawa Hills had a really strong choral and theater background, and in elementary school, I remember in the basement of the elementary school, the windows were high up, so to help with any, you know emergency escape they had the really tall pianos i can't remember what they're called but they were the really high pianos and in fifth grade we took one of those apart and put it back together wow and i that really still sticks with me of all those little parts around and we learned how the hammers worked and all of that yeah, and you, you put it back together correctly we yeah. did it actually worked after <laughs> we got done wow. yeah and uh and then when i got uh, later on i don't remember any troops coming into the school but i remember 
being then being in the the shows at the school and yeah. uh, that was really rewarding. Excellent, Kevin. You want to sure. tell us your experience? Yeah, mine wasn't quite as long ago. As Jen's, but <laughs> you, you weren't almost. putting pianos together and taking them. Apart, Not at all. I uh, grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and went to a parochial school. And so every day began with singing. Um, we never had groups coming into the school, but we sang every single day. That's really? how the day began. And I'm sure that that had its impact on me, which is why I'm a vocal coach, I guess. Yeah. But um, the probably the aha moment for me was in fifth grade. All of the fifth graders throughout Grand Rapids were invited to a Toledo Symphony, or, sorry, Grand Rapids Symphony concert. And um, just knocked my socks off. I still remember at least two of the pieces that were on the program. They did the the prelude to Act Three of Lohengrin, and I was just like, wow, this yeah. is really something. And then they did the, the typewriter song of <laughs> Leroy <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> and that was too, wow. I, I can see how those go together, yeah. right? But really just kind of opened up my eyes and ears and to go, this is really cool. I wonder if people can do this for the rest of their lives. And so it's yeah. the beginning of an educational road. Well, uh, my experience was probably in high school, and I had a humanities teacher mm. who was a big fan of Caruso, and she oh, would wow. play recordings of Caruso. Oh, cool. And I was, you know, hooked on that. I'd sung in a boys' choir, but I, I started going to the library and getting all these recordings that I could find of Caruso and of other tenors. You know, I was I was listening to tenors mostly and I listened to people like Franco Corelli mm -hmm. and other you know famous singers and I was thinking well why aren't they as famous you know <laughs> because they're pretty good too yeah. you know I, I didn't know but many years fast forward to around 2000 2001 and I sang Canio in Ipagliacci at Teatro Colon in Buenos Aires and the same stage that they had, the same wood that Caruso had been on, was still there. So I wow. felt like you I felt came the vibration. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah, I felt the spirit of Caruso hovering over me. It's fantastic. Not to say that my voice was anything like Caruso, <laughs> but, but it was a, a wonderful experience, and mm -hmm. that started my, my interest, as it were. And we had a pretty good music program back in the day. I think nowadays a, a lot of the slack has been taken up by, well, here mm -hmm. in Toledo by Toledo Opera and other performing arts organizations. But we're here to talk about opera today. Let's talk about the educational programs at Toledo Opera before we get into the quizzes that I have here. Yeah, right. So I see you sweating bullets. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So let's start by talking about Opera on Wheels because that is something that you are intimately involved in, Joshua, and you, Jim, and Kevin as well. Who wants to take the lead and tell us what the um, what the efforts are of Toledo Opera in regards to Opera on Wheels? Because it's a really impressive program. Well, this was begun back in the 60s by the Opera Guild as Opera in a Suitcase. I was not in elementary school back then, <laughs> but uh, it then evolved into Opera on Wheels in the 70s, so it's been going almost 50 years, and it is a K-6 through program where we take a, a full-length opera that has been cut down and uh, rewritten in English into the vernacular of the students by the brilliant Joshua Borths. And uh, we take that out to uh, schools around the area from uh, south uh, in Finley to north into Ann Arbor, close to Sandusky, and all around the region. 
uh, in two parts. We do a fall tour, a month in the fall and a month in the spring. And uh, it's just delightful. We see over 22,000 students at 60 different schools, and uh, it's very rewarding. The resident artists are, are the troupe that goes out to perform these, and they just they come back just filled with energy from the kids. That's wonderful, and the fact that people get to see live performances, mm-hmm. you know, when they're they're young at a very impressionable age, that that really says a lot. Uh, Joshua, what what is uh, Opera on Wheels doing right now? What piece of yours are they doing? Yeah, so right now Opera on Wheels is doing Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf? Which is the second time, actually, that it was so successful the first time that it's back for a second tour. Uh, and it is an adaptation of Mozart's Don Giovanni. Uh-huh. And whenever I... Uh, you know, to kind of take the, you know, whatever it is that uh, Toledo wants to do and, and start to adapt it, you know, we always want to make sure that the vocabulary is at the level of the K through 6 demographic. We want to make sure that there are jokes, that it's entertaining, that it moves. Um, yeah, I think of Don Giovanni. <laughs> when I think of Don Giovanni, you know, it doesn't exactly scream of yeah, fun and, and jokes. That leads me to the next part of this, which is that I also, even though we have to make all of these wonderful adjustments, you know, for our audiences, we also want to maintain the kernel of what makes opera special and what makes this music special in particular. So this particular piece is about uh, all the fairy tale characters who the Big Bad Wolf has bullied um, come together to to give the wolf his comeuppance, which is essentially the plot of Don Giovanni, mm-hmm. albeit with fairy tale characters instead of you know Don Elvira and Don Anna and all of those those characters from the immortal Mozart. And so, on some level, as funny as it is, as lighthearted as it is, we also are introducing to students what opera is all about and the emotions that are possible, even if the context. Um, is uh, has Mozart rolling over in his grave. <laughs> Even if they're wearing a pig hat, yes. <laughs> exactly. What makes opera so special, and I think that's really important to remember when, when presenting for younger audiences, is that they are just little, little adults, um, and they want a great story, they want strong emotions, they want to be entertained, they want to think, they want to do all these things that we as adults want to do as well. And I think that's the, the really fun thing about bringing this, uh, these shows to students. That's wonderful. I'm going to give that a little cheer. <laughs> well spoken. Indeed. Well done. Kevin, uh, maybe you can talk about like the uh, student night at the opera. I know that people come to see that. Uh, they're slightly older, right? Yeah, those are mainly high school students, uh, high school and college. Uh, we always uh, try to bring in some some Bowling Green, University of Toledo students as well. Um, and they are offered a substantially reduced ticket price, and they get to come and they they, they dress up. They treat it like it's a you know a grand yeah. night out to come to the opera, and they also provide us with an audience for the final dress rehearsal. So that we get, you know, especially for things like Chanarentola, that, you know, we've been telling these jokes for the last, you know, three weeks, and now we get an audience and we get response. And the response of the high school students is unbelievable. They are, I, I... Hate to say it, but sometimes some of our best audiences because their their reactions are so fresh and so immediate. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no worry about oh, this is opera. We have to behave. No, they they actually (laughs) they just speak and shout and clap from their emotion. They they don't necessarily have all the roadblocks in place. None at all. Which I wish that that would carry over into our adult audiences. Yeah, but well, I mean, my experience has been the same. I remember singing. 
Don Jose with New York City Opera, and mm-hmm. we did some high school performances in New York. Sure. And they were totally into the opera. We yeah. did, you know, it was Carmen, so people die at the end. And there were a, a huge cheer went out, and you heard all kinds of, you know, reactions that you would hope that people would experience, you know, of all ages, yeah. right? That they would have that same experience in the opera house. Um, before we go any further, I have three different quizzes here. <laughs> and you can each decide which one of you is going to do what quiz. Um, I'll play a little music for you to, to get us in the mood. Okay, here's the first quiz. So you can guess what that is about. Here is the uh, second quiz. Okay. <laughs> That's Jim's quiz. <laughs> That's <Short> mine. And, sweet. <laughs> and here is the last quiz. Okay, so that would be Kevin, probably. Um, either that or the Elgar. I'll take one or three. Okay, well, they're entitled Theater Potpourri, Give My Regards to Broadway and Back to School. So those are the names of the quizzes. Each quiz has only five questions. Jim, you, you're doing the Broadway one, right? I will do the Broadway. Okay, so it's a toss-up. I'm going to let Joshua decide if he wants theater or <laughs> back to school. I'll take, uh, I'll take the theater one. And okay. uh, I'm regretting having introduced myself as resident scholar of Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> well, pressure, pressure. Let's start with the resident scholar, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Okay. I'm going to bring up a, a little uh, extra music here. Okay. That's nice quiz music, right? <laughs> um, okay, so let me ask you the first question. Now, this is a multiple choice quiz, so I'm going to give you three to choose from Joshua we're going to start with you and you tell me which was the correct answer right who is known as the father of American theater was it Eugene O'Neill David Belasco or William Dunlap what do you say uh I'm gonna go with I narrowed down to two in my head (laughs) and I'm gonna say (laughs) O'Neill Really? It was William Dunlap, actually. Oh, the first okay, the American <laughs> professional playwright. <laughs> Same here, Josh. I have learned something. Thanks. Okay, here's a, here's the next question for you, and I know that you'll know this one. Who founded the oldest professional mime theater in the world? <laughs> was it Paul Curtis, Marceau Marceau, or Samuel Avital? You can mime your answer, Joshua. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm doing it right here. Can you tell? Yes. Oh, I feel it. Yeah. So what do you I'm say? I'm going to go with Marceau because that's the one that I know was a mime. Oh, <laughs> 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 for two. That would be Paul Curtis, who founded the American Mime Theater in the 1950s. Okay. I'm learning so much today about education. I know. Me too. This yeah. is fantastic. Okay. Here's the next quiz question. Which influential acting teacher and director was a major figure in American acting training and is known for the method acting technique? Is it Sanford Meissner, Lee Strasberg, or Stella Adler, A, B, or C? B, Strasberg. Yeah, that's right. Got one. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, all three would have been correct, but (laughs) (laughs) you couldn't lose. 
Couldn't lose. Okay, two questions to go. You can still win this quiz, all right? <laughs> the first African-American theater company in the United States was founded by whom? Was it Langston Hughes? Was it William Henry Brown? Or was it Ira Aldridge? Boy, that's a tough one. What do you say? The first one. The first one? Oh, no, that's wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> but that wasn't his answer. That wasn't his answer. He was just oh. repeating the question. Oh, okay. Well, what's your answer? Now that, <laughs> well, <laughs> now that you know it's not the first. down to two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have a 50-50 chance. You're welcome, Josh. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with B. Okay, B. That's it. Yay! William Henry Brown, American playwright and theatrical producer, considered to be the first known black playwright in America. He founded the African Theater Company in 1821, which was the first known black theater company in North America. Wow. So it's an educational podcast, yes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one last chance here to uh, save your reputation, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> last question of the quiz is the word theater is derived from the Greek word theomai. What does it mean? Does it mean to perform, to enjoy, or to behold? A, B, or C? Oh. Hmm. What do you say? I mean, hopefully all three, uh, but I will say with my limited Greek, uh, I'm going to guess C. Yay! Yes, to behold. So how many did you get? You got, you got two three. or three? You got three out of five? We'll give you three out of five. All right, Joshua is the winner of that quiz. Let's take a little quiz break, right, before we go into more quizzes. Uh, let's talk about the other thing that uh, Toledo Opera offers as far as educational programs go. And this is an opera as a story, which is for really young kids. For pre-kindergarten, yes. Yeah. What can you tell us about that performance or that, that program? It is a two-week program with a resident scholar who comes in and talks about the feelings and the rhythms um, they do some puppet work also yeah. that culminates with <clears throat> a, a shortened program where they're really encouraged to participate. Kevin was talking about the student night opera, uh, student night audiences, you know, feeling the pre-K do the same thing. And it's, it's really wonderful to see them come out of their shell over this two-week period of people going into their classes and, and sharing Carmen or Hansel and Gretel or the Pirates of Penzance, the music of it. It's less about um, the storyline and more about the feeling that the, the kids get. Yeah. Well, now you mentioned that you have a scholar that comes in and does that. That's not Joshua, right? That is not Joshua. Okay. It's Christina no. Farrell. So you have a couple of scholars. Do, do you guys ever uh, disagree? <laughs> <laughs> you ever have a, a like a, a fight, a ringside event? We don't let them into the same room, so we're okay. <laughs> Joshua, you're strangely quiet right now. <laughs> I always love wonderful, vibrant co uh, conversations with colleagues. So yes, absolutely. Well, let's get back to the quiz. Whoa. You're up, Jim. All right. All right. Here we go. This, this is going to be obscure, isn't it? <laughs> hey, well, you are the fount of all knowledge of Broadway. So. Yeah, you got a little uh, clue as to 
the questions on the quiz from the uh, first iteration of it. This quiz is entitled, Give My Regards to Broadway. What is the oldest theater on Broadway? Is it the Metropolitan Opera, the New Victory Theater, or the Belasco Theater? What do you say, Jim? And this theater actually was founded under a different name. Okay. I'm going to go with the New Victory. The New Victory Theater is correct. Yeah. Founded in 1900 as the Republic Theater. Now, interestingly enough, you know, the old Metropolitan Opera House was at Broadway and West 39th Street. It opened in 1883, so it was sort of like the, the, you know, officially on Broadway. Sure. It's sort of the unofficial. Took over from the Academy of Music. Yeah. If you're watching the Gilded Age. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, who was known as the man who created Broadway? Was it James Norman? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> was it Irving Berlin, Oscar Hammerstein I, or George M. Cohen? I'm going to go with Cohen. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The man who created Broadway. Okay, what musical was the first one to win the Pulitzer Prize for drama? Was it Of The I Sing? Was it South Pacific? Or was it Fiorello? Oof. A, B, or C. Really? Fiorello? Oh. I'm going to go with South Pacific in 1949. Oh. oh. It was actually it was actually of the I Sing, which really? was 1932. Gershwin. Yeah. The Gershwin Brothers. <laughs> Wonderful uh, performance there. Uh, Sheldon Harnick was the librettist of Fiorello. Yes. And wow. a little shout out to him. You know that he wrote an opera, actually. Uh, he wrote the words for an opera. And... This is sort of like a a possible makeup question for you, Jim. Okay. (laughs) Okay, what opera did Sheldon Harnick uh, write the libretto for? The music was by Henry Malacone. Was it called Fox Tales, Coyote Tales, or Buffalo Tales? T-A-L-E-S. I'm going to go with Fox. Fox Tales is wrong (laughs) but we won't count that (laughs) it it was coyote tales actually it was the uh, the opera okay put these musicals uh in order from the most performances to the least performances (laughs) okay i'm i'm gonna give you three different sets in order of these musicals this is i've confused myself already so the the most performances to the least yeah okay was it is it phantom of the opera Wicked the Lion King, that's A, or was it Chicago, Le Miserable, or Cats, that, that's B, and was it A Chorus Line, Rent, and Grease, that's C. Give me the first one one more time, please. Phantom of the Opera, Wicked the Lion King. The answer is B. Uh, well, I have the answer as being C, so... You want to try again, Jim? (laughs) Let's say the answer is C. The answer is C, Brad. Very good. (laughs) A chorus line is number seven at 6,137 performances. Rent was number 11 at 5,123 performances. And Grease was number 16 at 3,338 performances. So... We don't expect you to know all those numbers. No. <laughs> it's a little bit, a little esoteric here. Just a little. Well, one more question here. What is the longest running show to have premiered on Broadway? Was it The Phantom of the Opera? Was it Chicago? Or was it The Lion King? 
And this show is still on Broadway, by the way. Chicago. Chicago is correct. And it's actually the revival of Chicago. Yeah, it's It's been been playing for 25 years, something like that. 1990s, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, we're going to give you that one as well. So, uh, did you get, how many did you get, Jim? I think I got three right. All right. We'll say it's three. Yeah, totally. All right. So, you and Joshua are tied right now. Kevin, it's going to be your chance. (laughs) Pressure. And we'll go ahead and go straight to that uh, that quiz, right? Okay. <laughs> Kevin, are you ready? I, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Okay. All right. Which American university is often considered the birthplace of modern performing arts education? Was it the Juilliard School? Was it Boston University? Or I'm going to turn that off. Okay. <laughs> Was it Juilliard, Boston University, or Yale University? What is considered the birthplace of modern performing arts education? Not Bowling Green State University. <laughs> um, I would say Boston. Oh. Uh, it was actually Yale. Really? Yeah, the are Yale they the School of Arts. They are the Whiffen Poofs. Yeah. yeah. Founded in 1869, the first professional fine arts school in the United States. Okay, second one. Who founded the first university music department in America? He was also America's first music professor. Was it John Knowles Payne? Was it George Chadwick? Or was it Horatio Parker? A, B, or C? What do you say, Kevin? (laughs) Oh, they're so close to each other. Um, Yeah. hmm. So this would have been at Harvard. Yeah, Payne. John Knowles Payne is correct. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) <laughs> Don't get too excited. I've got out, one. I've got one. <laughs> you still got three questions to go. Okay. Boston was also the site of the first music program in public schools during the late 1830s. Who was behind the effort? Was it William Billings? Was it Lowell Mason? Or was it Johann Heinrich Pestalozzi? <laughs> That's a real name. I didn't make that up. I, I, I wish it was C. Um, yeah. I, mm, I'm gonna go with Lowell Mason. That's correct. Wow. Billings was a little earlier, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. A little bit earlier. Yeah. Oh, Joshua. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Josh. Oh, I guess I, I, I feel the good vibes. Okay. Earlier. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending them your way. Thank you. Thank okay. You. Okay. Here's the next question. Researchers find that sustained learning in music and theater correlates strongly with higher achievement in what? Is it in math, in reading, or both math and reading? A, B, or C. So studying music can help you out in math or reading or both. Mm. I know that it's math. I would love it to be both, so I'm just going to say both. Yes. Very good. Boy, you're cleaning up here. You got all but the first question correct. Okay, last chance here. Which of these are potential benefits to an arts education? Um, that was poorly worded, I think. <laughs> <laughs> which, which of these are the, the have shown to be the benefits of okay. an arts education? Okay, was it handle constructive criticism? Was it bolster academic achievement? Or was it to develop social, emotional, and interpersonal skills? A, B, or C, or you can say 
D, all of the above. <laughs> I'm going to say D, all of the above. Very good. Thank you. Yay. Yay. Go music. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have some other things here, too. Also engage with school and reduce stress, improves focus, enriches their experience. Can you think of any other benefits that, that, are, that go with music education? First, I want to mention, by the way, that you got almost all of them correct. So the winner of all three quizzes <gasps> would be Kevin Bilsma. Oh, my goodness. Yay. Thank you. Congrats to you. So what do you think about, what, what do you think, and I address this uh, question to you, Joshua. Um, what is the primary benefit of an arts education? If you go to somebody on the street and you have to make the case for educating people about the arts when they're still in school, what would you say? Yeah, well, my answer is, is kind of hard to quantify, which is probably why it's not you know, kind of in, in studies. And I think I'm going to punt a little bit in that I think there are incredible benefits for participating in music making and then incredible benefits for experiencing the art of others. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, and I think when you are in a choir, you're in a elementary school show or program or something like that, I think one of the biggest things that that does is, is develop empathy, empathy with everyone else. Amen. Yeah. In that show, helping you understand whatever character or whatever theme or, you know, what have you that you're expressing, whatever emotion, even if you've never experienced it before. And I think one of the things that doesn't necessarily come through, you know, um, quantitative data, but comes through qualitative from the audience perspective of kids experiencing art is the development of your imagination. Um, I think that's one of the most kind of underreported, if you will, Mm -hmm. skills and things that is developed in music education, theater education, arts education in general, that is vital to being a a human and living a really interesting life. Uh, And I think that's one of the great things about about what Toledo is doing every single season. Yeah. Well, we kind of live a little bit in a bubble as far as, you know, because we are talking about opera specifically. So that is kind of, you know, a subset of education. But I think that everything that you said, Joshua, certainly applies to the world of opera. And what Toledo Opera has done in the community is a wonderful way to sort of get kids involved in the emotional aspect of uh, opera, of the art form as it is. Do you guys have anything you want to add to that, Jim? Well, I think that uh, going out to the schools that I do and observe our performances with with the children, a lot of times this is the first time that kids have heard live singing. Mm. You know, it's not recorded. It's not a microphone. Even though they might be in a gymnatorium, they're singing without amplification. And I think that um especially the little ones they usually elementary schools will will seat them from kindergarten and up from front to back and it's always fun to watch the little ones you know sometimes when the soprano hit a high note they'll cover their ears because they're not used (laughs) to that immediacy and that live sound that's coming out of a human being yeah i know not a speaker i remember one time i think it was Pavarotti was singing on the late show with david letterman and (laughs) david letterman said it's just amazing to sit here and watch that sound come out of your head (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, Talk to me a little bit about the resident artists, because we touched on them. They do opera on wheels, but what other engagement activities do they have during the year? 
Um, a number of them sing small roles, compromario roles, with with our main stage productions. Mm. Um, the stepsisters in Cenerentola, for example, or uh, Tybalt and Gregorio in Romeo and Juliet, and some other roles in Ragtime. They also uh, participate in in fundraising functions for the opera. Oh. Um, they sing for the guild luncheons. They sing for the board. Uh, what was the thing this weekend that they did? Oh, we uh, were part of Flaunt, the uh, fashion show for the Equality at Toledo. Right, and they performed yeah. during that as well, which yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and I, I know they've done some outdoor performances, Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, opera outdoors um, at the Metro Parks and at the, uh, the Farmer's Market. Um, and also, just to follow up, what Jim was talking about the, 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 the singing, you know, just the visceral experience of live singing. Also, we have a live pianist. <laughs> as one of the resident artists who goes out and plays for all of the shows. And so just yeah. to have students experience somebody, you know, it's not a boombox. It's actually a person playing an instrument. Yeah, and, and they're not taking it apart and putting it back together. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> for every show. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And, you know, it, it runs both ways because it's not only beneficial, obviously, for the children. It's also beneficial for these young artists. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I remember when I was a young artist at well, what is now Detroit Opera, um, I probably played 400 uh, shows in one year. You know, mm -hmm. we, went, we would go up on tours to the Upper Peninsula and everything. And I was just fresh out of grad school. And the fact just to play every single day. Know, do two or three yeah. shows every day in front of an audience it was just it, it changed the scope of my life absolutely and, and the same thing for these young artists they get to practice their craft you know they're out of school they're they're figuring out what it takes to actually sing all these performances and to engage an audience every single day Okay, so let's finish up here with a little um, flash round. I want, I want you each to go around and tell me anything that we've left on the table, anything that you want to mention about opera and about Toledo Opera in particular and, and their efforts. And Joshua, I know you're off in Virginia or, or wherever, but um, obviously you've done some work with Toledo Opera in the past and, and your work is still being performed here. I wonder if we'll start with you, and, and is there anything that we may not think of or that we may have missed when it comes to education? Uh, no, I think all your questions have been wonderful, but I do want to say that, um, you know, I work with a number of different opera companies, as you mentioned, uh, and the pieces that I've adapted and written have been, you know, kind of all over the country. Um, and every year without fail, I am so impressed with what Toledo is doing. Um, this is, you know, for my money, kind of one of the best <laughs> educational programs in the commitment to bring quality performances to schools, to children, to communities. Uh, and I think that's something that uh, Toledo can be really, really proud of. Absolutely. Kevin, what do you think? I is there anything that uh, we've left on the table as far as education goes? Oh, this has been fantastic. Um, I just remember when I was first hired by Toledo Opera, I also was the pianist for the resident artist program, and I did the opera on wheels. Um, throughout the schools and I was in Kroger one afternoon and this this mother came up to me and she said we saw you at our school yesterday uh -huh. and we're so, so excited that our kids get to experience live music but also it makes them realize that opera is something that they shouldn't be afraid of right you know that, and so we may be exposing a, a young person to music for the first time it may be something that they'll want to uh, further their education and become a performer or we're creating an audience for the future and wow. I just think both of those things are so beautiful and so important yeah 
Jim, last word to you. Well, mine's a little more personal. This year was really nice that we're sharing Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, but our first two performances were actually at my niece's school in, in Lambertville that she's the principal of, where uh -huh. my great-niece is in third grade. So to have both of them there and be able to share what I do with them is it was just a blessing. That's wonderful. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank all three of you for uh, coming and talking about educational efforts from Toledo Opera, the educational programs. People can find a lot more information at the website at toledoopera.org. You've been listening to Opera Out of the Box, a co-production of WGTE Public Media and Toledo Opera, which is a sponsor of programs on WGTE. And as I mentioned, you can learn more at their website, toledoopera.org. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me here on Opera Out of the Box. Thanks, Thanks you, Brad. Brad. Thank okay. you.